Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, After Buzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads from over 200 countries and your number one source in after show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey guys, welcome to AfterBuzz TV. I am so excited to be here hosting the recap and review show for classic Doctor Who episodes. I'm your host, Zach Wilson, wearing my trusty fez. Um, <laughs> Please keep uh, that. Please keep it. Every uh, week we expect it to be Until it falls off mm-hmm. of my head. It is precariously balanced right now. <laughs> but enough about my fez. I'd like to introduce my fantastic panel for this uh, for this week's uh, episode, An Unearthly Child, Season 1, Episode 1. Starting at the other end of the table, we've got the lovely Megan Salinas. Hi, Whovians. We have the, what if a Tory Miller? See, it fell off my Aww. head. Aww. Pick and, it up, pick it up. And right next to me, <laughs> Katie Cullen. Hi, all my buddies. She doesn't even need a qualifier. I was distracted by the fact. <laughs> <laughs> I qualify myself. Um, but so we're talking about, so let's talk a little bit about what exactly we're going to be doing here. Because this is the first one. We did some classic Who and After Buzz um, last year in between episodes of season seven. But what I wanted to do for this panel is really get a, a walkthrough of the classic Who for people like me, who admittedly has never delved into the classic Who. I'm a massive Doctor Who fan, but I started with the 2005 series and I just watched right through. I didn't know where to begin going back to classics. <laughs> I right. mean, that's where we <laughs> yeah. all stand. Yeah. We're all just like, classic who? There's 60 years of it. That's um, great. Yeah, to be yeah. fair, that's a lot of canon to go through if you're a newbie. So it's for, for new people, even starting off at 2005, for, for newer people, it's like, that's still, like, what are we in? We're season season eight, 8 now? Yeah. That's still eight seasons God to go God help through. you to go back to 1963 and know where to begin. <laughs> yeah. And you can't even be a completionist for the episodes starting from then because we've lost episodes. Especially right. yes. from the second Doctor's season. They were destroyed in a fire. They were recorded over. They no longer exist. So you yeah. literally cannot be a completionist for this series. It's physically impossible. Except when we find them in a vault in Zimbabwe occasionally. Right. But they're in <laughs> well, the, there's screencasts yeah. and plot they're, summaries, but there's not um, actual footage. Someone's Are they in like the where the Ark of the Covenant is at? They just <laughs> yeah. in a box down there? The only complete collection of Doctor Who is with the Ark of the Covenant. It's with Noah's Ark. It's, the Crystal Skull. <laughs> um but so what we're gonna do is we're start like we're gonna pick random like a few not completely random episodes but a lot of the big ones the fun episodes and so that you guys can watch along with us 
and really just take this journey so that we you have some people to watch with. Because that's really, I just didn't know where to begin. So now you know. Now you can join us. So here's we, a question. Are we going to take uh, fan recommendations for what we should oh, and should not watch? Absolutely. <laughs> Tweet at us at episodes that you want to see. Um, stuff, if you have opinions about, like, you can't not do this episode. You have to do this. Or it's like, how did you not, how did you skip that one if we accidentally skipped one? Tweet at us. We will mainly... All right, this is going to fall. <laughs> um, but give I'll it put to it me. Give it, it to right me. Tari. Um, yeah. But so, guys, it, um, we're only going to be doing episodes that are available on Netflix or Hulu Plus. That way you can watch with us. Those are both places that a lot of people have access to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we're going to stay focused on. <laughs> also, tell us what to avoid, because my understanding is that there are some episodes there that MST3K really should have gotten their hands on. <laughs> they can't um, all be winners. No, <laughs> no, so, not even in the new series. Yeah, seriously. I could think of no better place to start than the very first Doctor Who story ever with an unearthly child. Yeah. So we start, it's a four-part series because... Back in the day, it was broken up into 24-minute episodes um, that would air. This particular episode aired in a, it got a, a weird kick to start. It was the day after JFK was assassinated. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever seen An Adventure in Space and Time yes. that they did last year? It's a fascinating... If you haven't seen An Adventure in Space and Time, it's a, it's a, it's a based on a true story biopic about the, about, like, the making of what we're talking about today. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's kind of weird having seen that, but then not having seen the first episode mm-hmm. of Doctor Who, so it was actually nice to sit down and see. It's like, oh, okay, this is what they're referencing. <laughs> um, but so it it opens up on this, the classic, like, what it became very classic shot, the, the policeman just, like, walking by with the music, the music that we know so well, um, just carrying into the show, and then it lands on the TARDIS. Sitting there in a junkyard. Yeah, and, and for all the audience knows, it's just a police box. I mean, what's the significance of this? Right. We've never seen this show before. It's brand new. But and, and as longtime fans, it's like, oh, okay, that's it's very fitting that, you know, the show opens up on the TARDIS. Yeah, because it's not, like, that is the con- only constant throughout all of Doctor Who is the TARDIS, the police box. The Doctor changes. The Doctor, in you could even argue, is not the main character of Doctor Who. Um, but the TARDIS is always there, except when yeah. she flies away for plot purposes. <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, but she always Peace, comes I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> um, stray dog. And I thought it was very interesting, because as we move forward, we get to, we're meeting um, the, the teachers. We meet these two teachers. That's it. We get to meet companions before anybody else, before we even know who the Doctor is. Um, so we get to meet Ian Chesterton and Barbara Wright. In case you were wondering whether this was a British show. <laughs> <laughs> Chesterton may have been a giveaway. Ian Chesterton. Of Essex is having a lovely tea, sort of tea at the end of the day. I'm not going to try to do a British accent on this. Please show. don't. Please don't. Um, you just worry everyone. They're talking about Susan Foreman. Is, is her name? Um, she's too smart, suspiciously smart. <laughs> Wait, which it's interesting um, because I knew that the doctor traveled around with his granddaughter to start, but I never thought that they 
tried to go undercover because, you know, that they would stay in one place because we're so Mm -hmm. accustomed to the doctor always going from one place to the next. You know, he's always running. It's kind of weird to think that there was a period in time where he didn't. He just sat and waited for a while. Yeah, he, well, that was something I had no idea that this was a plot line as they, they, they follow her home because these (laughs) are very concerned teachers who... Was I guess that, that a thing back then? Because the that 60s. was unsettling. That <laughs> was a little odd. I it guess was... there's not a way to follow up except to just walk behind someone in those right. days. Well, but they made a really good point that for all intents and purposes, Susan has a high intelligence score and a low wisdom score. She knows all these physics problems. She's working things into the fifth dimension, but she doesn't know how British currency works. Although, that's a really fascinating thing to look back on. Today, because today the British currency does run on a decimal system. <laughs> right. And she so, was ahead of her time. <laughs> what? Well, didn't she make a comment about, oh, you don't have it yet or yeah. something like that? But that's the writers could have no way of knowing. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so it's actually like this really creepy, like, oh, maybe they did have a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, like, they weren't on the decimal well, system? It's, it's like looking back at old books um, that predicted like dystopian <laughs> futures and seeing some different things that were predicted and going, that is oddly similar right. <laughs> to what they talked about. H.G. Wells was pretty good at it. Yeah, I mean, you get a lot of that in science fiction because that's what their job is. Their job is to predict the future in a way. And sometimes you go into fantastic views, as we do often on Doctor <laughs> Who, but right. occasionally you're just going to get a nugget of truth. Like, we may not have flying cars, but... Money is not broken up into sixteenths anymore. <laughs> um, I think anyone could have predicted that. I can't imagine. Yeah, I, I can't is... imagine. I just counted. Okay, and then carry the two. Um, it's like so... galleons and sickles and nuts. That was. Inc- I didn't want to say it because I felt like that would be really culturally biased. But yes. Oh no, it's galleons and sickles um, and nuts. But let's, so they, let's be real. But so anyway, they follow her home to a junkyard. At 76 Tautis Lane. In the middle of the night. Yeah, in the middle of the night, which... Again, uh, not at all creepy. <laughs> no, they're just concerned. But it felt like that's a such a... But her line, I loved oh, her line. It was such an alien uh, thing to say. I like walking through the dark. It's mysterious. <laughs> and it's like just hinting at like that this character... There's a lot more going on with this character. Yeah, it, she, because, yeah, it's, but for anybody who doesn't know, it's like, it, what is up with this girl? Because she, obviously, like you said, she's really smart, but also strangely naive. Like, who's going to walk around in the middle <laughs> of the night when it's really foggy and clearly dangerous? Well, and look at it from the point of view, these viewers are watching this for the first time. They haven't even met the Doctor yet. They don't know anything about the Time Lords or the TARDIS or any of the lore that this particular panel, at least, has come equipped with. They're watching this going... Why does she know about five dimensions and not have any idea how currency works? And why is you know, why does she live in a junkyard? Why doesn't her grandfather receive visitors? This is really odd. So if you kind of step back and look at it as you assumedly would from 1963, you can go, okay, yeah, this is building suspense for that crowd. Yeah. It's like the same level of intrigue that you have when you're watching something like Lost where it's like, oh, polar bears. I hope they explore them. <laughs> yeah, but Doctor that Who hurts. follows up, <laughs> or at least it did until recently. Um, uh. Well, one thing, I mean, the other thing for, for modern fans who may not have noticed it, uh, this is at, the, the the school that they're at is the Coal Hill School, which is where current uh, 
companions, Clara, and we're getting to know oh, Danny. That's where they work. teach. That's oh, where they that's teach. Right. Oh, that's hilarious. It's, yeah, it's a, a lot of people didn't pick up on it if you weren't familiar with it, so like I missed it the first time through. But yeah, they're back at the school where it all started. Oh, hmm. and wow. that, that actually is very clever. Well done, current writers and producers <laughs> and everything um, like that. And so I'm, I'm also watching now, like, I wonder if this is going to come into play at all. If like we'll the, start seeing more parallels if, with this current If it's season. just like a, a nice little wink at fans, or if it's like a, no, this is going to be important. Right. Either way, I'm satisfied, because I, I don't mind the winks. I, I actually like the, the winks and the nods, but if it turns out to be something important and relevant to the plot, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, the first big drop was in, uh, I believe it was the 50th, when they just, like, show Clara at this school, and they show the I Am Foreman thing that we see in this episode, and it's just a big, like, hey, guys, we remember that this is a 50-year-old show. Um, but so they, they finally, they follow her home, and they're walking through, and they're like, where did she go? She disappears in this junkyard, and then we finally meet the doctor. He <laughs> just seems to be, like, this old, crazy person. <laughs> I just adore the sheer number of cares that the doctor <laughs> does not give. And those of you who know me thank know you. that that was a wonderful self-censor. Thank you for keeping it PG. Yeah. <laughs> this I mean, is the last show that needs to be rated explicit on iTunes, all right? So, But I'm curious, what did you guys think of this first scene with the doctor? I, I, I was actually surprised how much you could see of the character that we've come to know and love in this old version. Like, so many people have been like, oh, he's totally different. He's like, a, he's like a, an, an asshole doctor when he starts out. And I felt, I could feel that, like, colorful, like, light warmth as much as he's, like, toying with and playing with these people in that <laughs> first scene. You kids get off my lawn. Yeah. Right? He's like one of those really old cats. And we have this at the shelter that I volunteer at where he doesn't like anyone and he doesn't want you to come in and he doesn't want to look at you and he doesn't want to play but you know if you manage to scratch under his chin for a little bit he'll go fine i tolerate you (laughs) your lap is warm it's mine now (laughs) he's that kind of cat (laughs) so yeah he toler back when the the doctor tolerated companions as opposed to hey you want to go on an adventure (laughs) well except for his granddaughter he yeah obviously loves her well, he cares for Twitter, and he's so he's like, "Why are you people here?" They're like, "Are you her grandfather?" Oh, well, I don't like to discuss my personal matters <laughs> with strangers. <laughs> um, but he and he has that like sort of levity while he's threatening them. <laughs> he's like, "You should get. Uh, I dare you to call the police. I double dare you. <laughs> I double dog dare you." Oh, he's getting serious now. No, you're you're absolutely right uh, because. It, to me, it actually did seem like if the doctor, the the current doctor that we know, was an old man. And grand, yes, Capaldi is a little older than, say, Tennant or Matt Smith. But, um, but yeah, that, it's kind of like it's the same guy who's gone on all these adventures and who's done all these amazing things, who has that twinkle in his eye. But at the same time, he's not going to put up with any nonsense. Right. And this is before the time war pretty much tore him to pieces. Yeah, exactly. So that he is also something to angst. keep in mind. Yeah, he doesn't have the soul-killing black hole angst in there. So that's also something to keep in mind. Oh, yeah. I feel like I didn't warn anybody listening. By the way, <laughs> oh. spoiler alerts. Um, we are going to be talking, we are going to be keeping all of who in, you're, there's, this is not a spoiler-free zone. 
Yeah. Everything yeah. up to what has aired is fair game. It's it's impossible for us as n- people who are approaching classic Who for the first time Nerds. To, to leave all of our current baggage behind. Yeah. In terms I wonder of being how this will play out later on. Right. <laughs> um. Um, so that just a general warning. We're going to be talking about everything up until last week's episode and same thing going forward. Um, so anyway, but let's... so. They, when they finally start to go towards the TARDIS, because Susan's yelling, they, yeah, they get it. Oh, Grandfather, is that you? <laughs> she opens the door. It's like, right. congratulations. And then you finally see a panic. Like, he's done, like, the game's over. Like, he's not going to play with them anymore. Like, the jig is up, yeah. Yeah, they know she's in there, and now they think that he's kidnapped his <laughs> To them, the TARDIS is this little tiny police box that he is locked this young girl in. <laughs> the TARDIS is about... For some reason. It's about he, this half of the table right here. And they did make sure that he had already done a loop around the TARDIS before mm-hmm. that. Uh, and so they finally get inside, and we get this crazy starch white set from the 60s, the original interior of the TARDIS. And it's bigger on the inside. And you can <laughs> tell it's from the 60s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that aesthetic. Plenty of round things. Yes. <laughs> yes. And the TARDIS console looks so small. Yeah. It doesn't well, go all sweet. the way up to the ceiling. It's very staunch. I actually like that it doesn't go all the Me way up too. to the ceiling. I thought that was, it made it more compact like it actually was a... Like a console. Yeah. 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 Like, it's like, if you're in an airplane, like, yeah, you have switches up here, but you don't have, like, this random... I like the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it like gives you imagine that it runs all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, it changed. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's different than what I like, man. No. My life is changing, and I don't like it. <laughs> um, but then they like they they're confronted. This is the first time that Ian and uh, Barbara are confronted with the concept that there's more to the universe that they know. Because um, the first time the audience hits it, too. And they they still reject it. They're like, this is an illusion. And they're even telling Susan, like, look, this guy is tricking you. This is all an illusion. None of this is real. Like, like, they're, they're no. in that far of denial. It's like, no, you people are nuts. This is all real. <laughs> <laughs> It's time and relative dimensions in space. Like I Susan came up with, came up with the name. I had no idea when she said that she came up with the name TARDIS. I just sat there and I was like, oh my gosh. And he still calls it the TARDIS after all this time. Well, here's my question about that. Has that been sort of retconned out? Because Time Lords that we meet all over various points of modern Who, like the Master and everyone else, refer to it as a TARDIS. Who said that she came up with it after they left Gallifrey? It's true. It may be one of those things where she said it once and everyone went, oh, it just I like, like that. Everyone on Gallifrey <laughs> is calling it a TARDIS. Yeah, right. it's that slang that catches on because otherwise you have that really big mouthful of a name and no one wants to say the whole thing. But <laughs> so, hey, there you go. That's Susan true. Started and we don't, we don't know how old she is um, in terms of like Time Lord year It's true. <laughs> and well, everything like that. I mean, she- if the doctor is on his first, he hasn't regenerated yet. Yeah, we don't know how old they are. Is so, she really supposed to be 18 and is just an 18-year-old Time Lord? I think so. I mean, that's, okay. what, that's what I take. I saw some, like, insane theories that are based in, like, further stuff in Doctor Who where she's, like, not his granddaughter and just calls him grandfather. I don't know the basis of that. I so, don't like, like that. I don't <laughs> like that either. Yeah. No. 
There's some insanity theory. I mean, it's Doctor Who. Come on, these are That's the best. True. These the, are the, the best and worst. Very wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. <laughs> reject your theory and substitute canon, and I don't ever do that. Uh, well, <laughs> but I, it, oh, oh, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Tom. Um, well, I had a, I had read somewhere that she was only his granddaughter because the writer didn't want there to be like a sexual in- implication to uh, this young girl riding around with this old guy. So he's like, nope, they're related, and we're done. <laughs> Boy, has the show ever changed. Hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't really shy gotcha. away from uh, odd sexual tension anymore. <laughs> but then again, it's 2014 and not 1963. That's right. true, yeah. too. Um, the times they are a-changing. But I thought that that was fascinating. And then they sort of get launched in, into time. Into time uh, and space. That's true. Because uh? they're not, they couldn't be in London where after the teleport goes and they get dropped into prehistoric times. Which really just looks a lot like my hometown. I'll be honest. It looks like <laughs> the middle of the desert. <laughs> it's like, all right, this is a... Uh, Cow skulls scenic. and all. <laughs> Um, I, so the, then we get into, so that's like the, the cliffhanger. And which, the cavemen like, staring at the TARDIS like. <laughs> which, ep, for that for that first episode, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I really liked that first part. I can't say that I'm as fond of the rest of the saga, so to speak. But I, I it is a wonderful introduction to all these different characters and to the TARDIS itself and to the idea of time travel and to the idea of aliens and everything like that. It's, it's really interesting. It was just mm. enough to lay down the premise for a brand new audience, get them on board, and then that very last shot leaves them wondering oh no prehistoric times whatever will they do next yeah I mean the gra- obviously the camera the graphics the sound it all doesn't quite yeah. hold up in terms of like a timeless oh, no. episode but yeah. in terms of content it totally does it's still intriguing it's still fun the characters are there it's good writing and it's kind of funny um you know just kind of for like filmmaking 101 it's just kind of funny to watch it go out of like the frame go like out of focus for for like a second or two every now and then <laughs> as it's like moving from person to person because well, they have like very deep lenses <laughs> they have to rack like, when they, they when they to, focus before the days of automatic focus yeah exactly so when they have to swing the shot you can kind of see it moving it's <laughs> like yeah someone's walking with a camera there and so guys before we jump into episodes two three and four of an unearthly child I want to just take a brief moment and talk about. Our own little magical tra- teleportation device called iTunes. Is that a bit of a stretch? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, but it does transport us into your homes, much like how they describe the, the doctor describes the TARDIS as Less just bigger on the inside <laughs> because it's like a TV. How there's a whole world inside your TV. <laughs> there's a whole world inside your YouTube and your iTunes, and we're part of that world. Your uh, metaphor has died. <laughs> if you're talking about Please the world continue. inside the computer, that's called the grid. So we're talking about something completely different. Yes, that's a different. But so, but so I. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. We do this for you, the fans. This is a podcast. We have a blast doing it, but really it's for you to enjoy, for you to experience, and we want to make it the best experience that it can be. And the only way that we can do that is for you to tell us how we are doing. Tell us if we're doing good. I hope you can go onto iTunes and slap us with a five-star rating. It really it makes our day. Hit us with a review. Um, you can go onto YouTube and talk about uh, your thoughts on the episode in the comments. Like, let us know, as we said before, what episodes you want to see us do on Classic Who. 
Um, and what episode do you want to see us not do? What should we totally <laughs> just avoid and run away from? Or what should uh, we make fun of? <laughs> yeah. We could also do that. We could just do a Mystery Science Theater 3000 style thing. I'm down for um, that. But so another way that you guys can help us out is uh, this is a this is a big help for us. It takes just 30 seconds of your time uh, if, to go into Podcast One and do a survey for us. It's a big deal. We love hearing from you. Um, keep sending us tweets and all that. Um, we read every one of them. But... We need to get more direct answers to who you are, how you're listening, and that's what this survey is about. So if you go on to uh, podcastone.com, um, your responses, that, just take a quick couple minutes, fill out the survey. Your responses are going to help us make this network better, make it better for you um, to help to know how you listen to the, to listen to the show, how you uh, engage with it. All of that is very important to us. So do it now. Take just a couple minutes of your time. Take the survey at podcastone.com. Once again, podcastone.com. P-O-D-C-A-S-T-O-N-E.com. Spell it out. Yes. Oh, yes. The whole, <laughs> yeah. the whole letters. Yeah. The, O-N-E. We're not, not, not using one, any numbers. O-N-E. No numbers or symbols here. Um, Except for the dot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes. I'm going to make your life difficult tonight. <laughs> Apparently so. Um, so let's get into episode two, The Cave of Skulls. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Was that a good side or a bad side? You know, when we came into Classic Who, the first episode was what we were expecting. We were not expecting the other three episodes to be caveman politics. <laughs> Which, that was a surprise. I will say these are the most well-spoken cavemen that I've ever seen outside of, like, cartoons. Right. <laughs> and the, um, but it was, and that's what made it really frustrating because they, they were pretty well-spoken, but they couldn't figure out fire. He's like, if I rub my hands together enough, it'll work. But then they have this whole political system. And the other thing that really bothered me is that they would flip-flop so quickly. Like, at the oh, well, it's at like, drop of a hat. It's like an alpha yeah. dog system. It's like, all right, you're, you seem, like, strongest. We, we follow you. Oh, you seem stronger? All right, cool. We're going to follow you now. <laughs> well, this is like the early, early days of humanity where they barely learned to use tools. Fire is just this new thing. It's new technology. It's like it's like your grandma asking for help with the internet. It's like we don't we this thing is cool. It's good. I don't understand it. Please help. <laughs> uh, the thing is, the old lady knew how to make fire, and the other guy who knew how to make fire and how to make it is dead now. Well, the, so the old they woman this technology fears fire. It's the older generation fearing new technology. It made me wonder if the previous guy who knew how to use fire who died, did he die in a fire? I feel, that's what I was thinking. I think the old woman watched, like, her son burn to death and was like, fire bad. Yeah. No fire. Like, yeah, we're done with this. Um, I actually thought, I was surprised how deep this episode got. I mean, yes, it's like, it's the 60s and there's silliness of, like, how (laughs) realistic these cavemen are. They're speaking English. We haven't yet gotten into the TARDIS translation matrix and all that. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, body language. Anyway, like, what just happened? <laughs> so anyway, they the um, but so they 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 go out like the, the what I thought was very interesting. Is we get a little bit more of like how the TARDIS works. They're mm-hmm. explaining. He's like, because the again, Ian and Barbara are like, this is insanity. Prove it. 
prove to us that this is real. And so he's like, okay, opens the doors. <laughs> and they walk on out, and they're like, oh, how about that? <laughs> this is not the junkyard. And it's also not an improvement. <laughs> and I like how Ian needed, like, help. <laughs> because he wasn't he near fainting at this point? Well, they both fainted. Him yeah. and Barbara both just, like, <laughs> went unconscious when they went through the, the time vortex. Um, I guess it's like a, like a shock, maybe? I guess. Right. Um, that they just went down. And they, the doctor gets kidnapped. Yeah, I was definitely not anticipating the doctor being kidnapped by a caveman in this <laughs> episode. For some reason, that that just never occurred to me. Because well, it sounds like Mad Libs. <laughs> uh, well, the thing is, like they, they drop, and again, I didn't know this about the original stories, is that the doctor is not quite on the run, per se. He's lost and can't get back. He yeah. th- He doesn't have complete control of the TARDIS. This isn't like current run where the, the TARDIS will go random places because she decides he needs to. <laughs> this is just like, no, it's broken. He, like, doesn't know what to do. Uh, it's just not working entirely. They can't... They're trying to get home. It's the... These, the voyages of the... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's my initial thought. Um, but so he's just trying to get from... Uh, he has to go out and get a piece of local... I don't know what what did he have to get? Like just anything? I don't know. He just started smoking. <laughs> <laughs> but like he had a pipe, get... not like on fire. It could be that he's like, I gotta go get this thing. I need to smoke. Dear God. <laughs> um, These people. Humans, am I right? Well, he's saying that he needs something of local. It's like something local to give the TARDIS so that they can pinpoint where they are. Well, because oh, he doesn't know. But another good thing to kind of point out is that when they step outside of it, he looks and it's still a police box. And he says, that's weird um, because there's something that should make it blend into the, it, its environment. The and chameleon circuit. Mm-hmm. The chameleon exactly. circuit it must is be on the stuck and he has no idea. Um, yeah. I guess they, they, they hung out in the 60s for too long. Maybe that's part of it. But I, I really did. That was another one of my favorite moments. Is he's like, "Huh, that's kind of weird." It's still a police box, and uh, I was just like, "Oh, that's why." The, fa- <laughs> the symbol now famous throughout like the universe, like it's on stained glass and like <laughs> it's like you know on hieroglyphics at the pyramids yep. and everything. That's a beautifully iconic screw up. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it makes me wonder because I know that he's like attached to it. At, he gets attached to that sort of image at some point. Um, so I have to wonder if, like, he was able to fix it and then be like, ah, you know, I'll keep it. Or if he's just like, eh, I like it. I don't, I'm not going to bother to fix it. Well, it's like if you paint the color, if you change the color of your house, you come back and you're like, my house used to be blue. Why is it, why? oh, I painted it last weekend. I still wish it were blue. <laughs> it's changing what home looks like. That's true. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, like they're, they're so they're getting out in the world. They're trying to figure out what to do. They're like going on the mission. Um, Ian's trying to figure it out. I loved his like. Perhaps if we knew his name, we might have a clue to all this. <laughs> Which, in context of modern Who, where the name is like this massive plot point. That's true. Like maybe we would. Maybe the whole of Doctor Who would just make a lot more sense <laughs> if he'd say his name, Moffat. I don't think so. I think he's just grasping at straws. Right. Plus, you know, the doctor's name is like Bob or something. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's going to be something really, really innocuous and just really kind of boring. (laughs) And the fandom will explode. All that mystery of his name was Bob? Um, 
But so anyway, talking about this episode, um, I actually, <laughs> with, did anybody else, I, it took me a couple moments before I connected Orb, like what Orb oh, was. Yes. Oh, they yeah, kept saying it so quick, and I was like, they're like, Orb will give us fire. And I was like, Orb, oh, and then I felt really dumb for not getting <laughs> immediately. I literally did not make that connection until you said it right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's their ancient fire god, these cavemen. <laughs> um, but so, they, like, Cal, this, like, rogue uh, caveman who, like, was saved, I guess, by uh, Za, the current leader of the <laughs> tribe. Mm-hmm. Very simple names. Um, Cal and Za. Uh, um, uh, like Kalil and Zod. All we need is an, <laughs> somebody named Own. That's what I was thinking. Like, oh, Cal and Zod sounds great right now. Um, <laughs> afterwards. But so we get... Uh, they, they, like he's trying to say, they, this, he brought this old man in strange furs, um, <laughs> and he's saying, "I this man can make fire. I saw him make fire from, from his, his fingers, fingers. <laughs> and not like this. It was more like like this, like with a match, and then like he had smoke billowing from his mouth. The doctor smoked a pipe, um, which I, I want the I kind of want the doctor to smoke a pipe again. That's just so classy. Capaldi with a pipe. Oh my god, it'd be so badass. Would he be sitting next to a fireplace? He's sitting in his little chair at the book the, the yeah, next to the shelves. Yeah, that could work. Yeah. He totally is. He needs a like a pipe in that chair. It would. Oh. Only if they make the Cecine uh, and Beep reference, the piece of art. It's like, of course it's a pipe. What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what that to. reference is either. <laughs> it's it's the painting of the pipe and underneath it says Ceci n'est pas un pipe, which is French for this is not a pipe, it's absurdist. Oh yeah. I know you've seen this image. So the cavemen. <laughs> right. So the cavemen. Um, and so it Quit ca- trying to teach us things, Katie. <laughs> Art history. Cavemen. So they, they the 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 team goes on this like insane rescue mission, which there is not thought out. At all. No, no. These are the most inept rescue. Worst rescue ever. Of all time. (laughs) Um, They basically, they bust in. Like, then we get into the the third uh, part, Forest of Fear. And they're basically stuck. Like, (laughs) um, they've all now been kidnapped, uh, thrown into the Cave of Skulls, which is really just the most basic name for a place ever. It's like, it's a cave, and we have lots of skulls in there. I'd imagine that's where people go to die. Well, yeah. it's and either, or like... be killed. I think and it's also, or elephant graveyard. I think it's a burial plot, effectively. Like, they're at the point where they're burying the dead. They just throw them in the cave. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. Elephant graveyard. Effectively. Yeah. yeah in yeah. a sense. Um... And then the, the doctor's just like, you people. You people. <laughs> what do you mean? And they're like, don't just lie there criticizing us. And he's like, whatever. Um, and then I thought it was very interesting as they go through this, the sort of parallels that got built up between uh, Cal and Zaz, like, struggle for leadership. Cal is saying, like, I brought the man who will make us fire. I should be leader. And Zaz's like, you don't have fire yet. Why would you be leader? You didn't even bring us fire. You brought us a man in strange furs. Um, at the same time, Ian and the Doctor are sort of battling it out for who's in charge of this, like, Ill-thought-out rescue mission. <laughs> yeah, well, that, well, now it's a prison break. Because um, <laughs> they, they're stuck, and who should, who should be leading them? Ian's the youngest and the strongest, as the Doctor points out, so he should be up front. He should... 
the, we're going to skip over the all the uh, ignoring the women in this <laughs> yeah. conversation entirely. It's the 60s. Yeah, for anybody who thinks that there are uh, poor choice of feminist uh, morals in today's who, don't delve into classic. Well, yeah, well they <laughs> are, but it's the 60s. Yeah. People didn't. Which is We're not going to get started really, on yeah, that yeah, train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right. Uh, before, you know, it's interesting because the producer of the show was a woman. Yes. And that was a big part. And even though we look back on it and go, oh, it's the 60s, the show itself and the production crew behind it were very progressive for oh, the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was an Indian director, um, the mm-hmm. first female producer ever at the BBC, uh, probably on all British television. I don't know when it would align with American television. Um, but a big milestone, her producing it. But you still have... So we've gone backwards. <laughs> <laughs> but you still have the, like, um, the, the woman being the 60s, sold off. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, Horg sells off her. Yeah. Her, <laughs> to, she didn't even have a name. <laughs> no, she that had might a name. be her name. Her was name is her? her. Her name was Her, H-U-R, if you check uh. the credits. <laughs> Um, the credits where the camera stayed focused on one uh, person's face and they had to keep looking that way <laughs> yeah it was the old woman who didn't have a name she was just old woman yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's killed your old woman <laughs> um, but so they, they the old woman does break them out because she she's that scared of fire she's like no fire get out of here even though, like, fire could probably keep them alive through, like, the impending ice age that's <laughs> coming down the pipe. Um, but then I thought it was interesting. That, so they're running through the woods at this point, like, trying to get out. Like, Ian and More pl- like running in place. And getting like, in the face of branches. <laughs> yes. So for those of us who missed the running from New Who, this, this is the origin. This, this is what, It's like the driving scenes in Manos Hands of Fate. Basically. Just keep going. Walk. <laughs> um, but so... I thought it was, um, there's some great quotes in here just like about the doctor. As we're getting to see this, like, this dynamic struggle between the two of them, like, you treat everybody and everything as something less important than yourself. So we haven't changed. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I mean, that is something that stays somewhat true through to modern Who of like, more or less, like sometimes the doctor sees his companions as more important or humanity as more important than himself. But he is still a somewhat he, self-centered being. He thinks right. of himself, well, he is very clever, but he knows he's very clever. And, and that's the problem. Exactly. And and we've seen him talk, you know, in, in more modern Who about how he is important. Um, but he also taught, it's something that he learns later in life, I think, is that other people are important, too. Yeah, and that's... Because he doesn't really care about humanity at this point. He is just dealing with... His own problems. He's lost. He, he's trying to get home. Yeah, he just wants to go home. Um, and so he doesn't want it. He doesn't. He's like, why are we staying here? Why do you care about these people? His his granddaughter sort of showing him the the light of why humanity is interesting, why they're important. Um, but he doesn't see it yet. So that's sort of like it, going back. It's almost like in a prequel sense, seeing his journey to becoming this person that cares. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Backstory. Yes. Exactly, um, and so we get into more into like as like the the fourth piece called the fire maker, and we'll just talk about it all. It, the, the lines are kind of blurry because like, they get captured again. They get captured yeah. again and brought back. <laughs> they don't make it to the TARDIS. <laughs> don't they get like really close? They yeah. get close, but then um, was it Zaw? 
I almost called him Zod, but that's not right. <laughs> um, no, because yeah. um, well, Zod and uh, her track them down in the woods, mm-hmm. and they are like because they want to stop them. They're like, "You escaped! Like the old woman set you free. We've got to stop you." But then when Zod is attacked by, I guess, a bear, yeah. they establish there are bears the in, the, in the yeah. neighborhood. Um, there are bear jokes here. I can't think of one. <laughs> Part of me thought, like, oh, it's going to be an alien. But that's, no, that's how modern Who would do it. I was thinking large cat. Or dinosaur. Puma. It did almost, it, Puma, yeah. it did almost sound like it could have been, like, a saber-toothed tiger or something. That would have been cool. Uh, wherever it was, they couldn't afford to show us. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, they sure did have a papier-mâché boar skull, though. Yeah. Which big. Barbara was very upset by... Ah, it's like a dead probably... boar. Like, I, did nobody turn to be like, "Haven't you eaten bacon? <laughs> <laughs> like a nice little British slab of bacon in the morning? It's a boar. It's a not pig. with a face. Yeah, <laughs> face bacon. To be fair, when you when you live in a British city, you know how often are you going to see any dead animal? Well, dead farm animals, I guess. Right. But like, she was ve- she she was screaming as if it was a, a dead person. Well, but they'd been kidnapped, and she's back in time, and there's, it's, it's not odd for someone who was a school teacher two hours ago and is suddenly back in time, kidnapped by cavemen, running for their lives with strangers she doesn't know, with this guy who's not helping, and then there's a dead thing in front of her. That's the straw that broke the camel's back. And I guess she's thinking, what killed it? That too is it near? That yeah. too. <laughs> um, although screaming is not going to help in that case. <laughs> Um, but, reaction. but so Zah gets attacked, and he's got the—he's very bloody. <laughs> but they—which the, thank God, those are only superficial. <laughs> I know, <laughs> nothing right? serious. Um, and then, the, but the doctor is. So this is the first time that he turns to the doctor and is like, "Help him!" It's like I'm not a medical doctor. <laughs> <laughs> got my math or my doctorate in philosophy. <laughs> Pro- probably that's right. <laughs> you got um, a PhD in dance. <laughs> <laughs> it's useful. Um, you missed the reference. <laughs> but so he's they, they they cure him. They get like some water and they're they're washing his wounds, basically helping him live. Because if they just left him, he would have just died. Exactly. I mean, because I don't know her how, was not helpful. They didn't do much in the in the first place anyway. <laughs> but like, I guess cleaning his wounds enough to help. Yeah, and they when they had an opportunity to run too, they stopped to help this guy. You know, that probably costs them an early trip, you know, back to the TARDIS and everything. Considering they built a stretcher to carry him back, yeah. I'm going to go with yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they have, they're like carrying him back. And then, but then the tribe, and even Zod, like, turns on them. Um, Like I said, they would flip flop like none other. It was super annoying. (laughs) But I feel like that's actually, it's almost realistic. Like, yes, Zod's thankful that they helped. Like, he's going to bring them meat. Like, you're, there's no, there's nowhere to go over the mountains, like wherever your tribe that is. That was kind of cute. He was like, "Here, it's good, right?" <laughs> it's like they're I brought like you meat, and they're cooking it. I like that with caveman <laughs> at one point. You're like, "When the fire goes with the meat, it is great." Like, it's like they're like, "When we cook it, it's a good thing." Um, well, then they built a fire. Yeah, I mean, kind it, of a big deal with action with like sticks, like you're like. No, supposed to. Although the fire you can see is like, I love he's like rubbing, he's supposed to be like rubbing the stick and he's just not even touching the other stick. <laughs> I was noticing that. I was like, how did he do that? Like, uh, the twinge. Magic. It's like you put the string between it and you use the string to rotate the the center stick and it creates the friction that makes the fire. Booyah. You really think Boy a British scouts. school teacher knows that in the 60s? 
Boy Scouts. <laughs> no, I mean, but no, no, no. But he, I mean, I didn't see a string. All I saw was because like, you rub the, the stick against the stick. That's like the classic way I was taught. But the <laughs> stick was just like it was like if you had the stick here, and then the, the other stick was like yeah, six inches off to the close. right. It was just not even and he touching just it. Magically fire. <laughs> just wait until the matches that are in there catch, and then move the sticks. Okay. Or okay. they have like a little Bunsen burner underneath there. <laughs> Um, either way, they, they, they get the fire going, and then Susan comes up with the idea, like, to put heads on, like, <laughs> skull, like, to skull. put the skull on the torch so that, like, the fire was coming out of, like, the eyes and the mouth and everything like that, and the nose. Which was great! Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and there's, there's, like, they, so it's the only way out. Uh, like, it's so just, clever. Evidently, so there's clever. been a back door this entire time, and all we had to do was terrify the cavemen enough to distract them and for us to. Well, slip and out. they didn't even go well, out the they back think door. We're randomly dead. Yeah, they didn't even go out the back door that the old woman came in from. Uh, and when she sprung them, really? yeah, everybody came in from the front and they st- started screaming because there were four skulls in the fire and they just nonchalantly like shuffled Sold out. out. <laughs> <laughs> they think we're dead. <laughs> why would would you like? Why would you rest your plan on the off chance that literally every single person is going to run into that cave? Because every single person is dumb enough to run in that cave when other people start screaming. They're cavemen. Yeah. Um, but even back then, we had rubberneckers. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not the freeway; it's the fire. And so during this whole thing, I, I thought it, I actually I, I skipped over it for a minute, but like. I thought it was very interesting. The doctor kind of drops, like, an idea. I think it was the doctor. Dropped the idea into Zaz's head about the tribe can be stronger than one man. Was that the doctor or Ian? I think it was Ian because Ian was uh, was the one taking more of that mentorship role yeah. with him. I might be remembering that wrong. Uh, either, you can tell. You can you can yell at us later. It just if it you're just listening. reminded me of like Rise of the Planet of the Apes, like with the stick metaphor. You break one stick, but a bundle of sticks is hard to break. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, well, he, he's part of the idea of the the tribe can be stronger than one man um, altogether. Like together, like. If like the fire maker becomes an unimportant person, not the leader, when everyone knows how to make fire, teach everyone, and then just be the strong leader, which is really like the fire is sort of a parallel to the TARDIS, like to time and space travel technology. In this case, it's like once everybody understands it, the whole unit will be stronger. The Doctor and now his three companions will all be a stronger group with four people who understand instead of just this one guy who knows everything. Well, we've already seen what happens when the only person who knows how to make fire up and dies. Yep. Right. Then everyone else is hosed. You're left out in the cold. <laughs> uh, <laughs> literally. Uh, <laughs> so but they so they, they run back and they're like, get them! <laughs> throwing spears at them. We want to take them alive. Spear, spear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, uh, thank you for saving us. He gives me, you're running away? No, kill them, kill them. <laughs> um, I think Zaz almost like, help it. he's almost helping them in a way. Like he, It's his way of helping. They think they're going to get over the mountain. He's like, you're not going to make it. There's nothing yeah. over there. We'll kill you before you go. That's helpful. Well, but in a sense, I think the, do- like the doctor later, do- like later on in modern, 
He does that sometimes. Like, if somebody's going to hurt themselves by doing what they want to, he'll try to stop them and keep them from doing that because why let them hurt themselves? That's true. That's true. So and they'll learn. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm kidding. But it's a very, like, smart, it's a very wise thing to do. And, and, and to Zah, he doesn't know any better. No, and that's the thing, is that it's a decision born of ignorance. It might be good-intentioned, and a little bit selfish, too, because he needs them to, you know, help make fire and yeah. everything like that. Which but. is just like uh, Ian and Barbara's whole, like, decision process throughout this entire thing. Not understanding really what's going on with the TARDIS. But thinking they know what's best for Susan. Yes. It's, dis- it's that is an interesting parallel. born of ignorance. Hmm. Um, and that's, I, that's why I was almost surprised. Like, just because of what I've heard conjecture through people about Classic Who, how actually intelligent this episode was it was very well written very well thought out the subtleties are there they didn't need to be huge it's still cavemen kidnapping the doctor <laughs> yeah. and his friends but they're there for the adults watching which just stresses like how much doctor who is a family show the whole family can watch this and enjoy it they'd sit down at tea time and watch it that's that's when you watch doctor who is during your afternoon tea is what time is that is that like three, <laughs> like 3 p.m. ish so yeah, okay. So it's the same time that we go for coffee because we're fading from existence. <laughs> uh, Why do you think afternoon tea exists? Um, so this is where they get to the TARDIS. Um, they're like run away. The spear, <laughs> the spears just like fade through the TARDIS as it phases out, um, and they fly away. And this is where they really establish that they can't just they they can't even not the Doctor can't get home. They can't even get back to 1963. It's broken. Yeah. Um. And, like, he, they're just going to land where they land. And so they land on a planet <laughs> called Skaro. Dun, dun, oh, no. dun. Cliffhanger. <laughs> Which, for anybody who who is obviously a fan of current Who and everything like that, that's a big red flag. It's like, uh-oh. So, yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. You no, stay no. in the TARDIS, <laughs> and you turn that right back around. Well, as yeah. they go out in, at the end of this uh, to the big the big cliffhanger, because obviously nobody knows what Scaro is at this point, um, is that the radiation, which had been teased before when there was obviously no radiation back in 100,000 B.C. or whatever we're dealing with, um... The radiation, they're like, they check it, which, like, not a very good detector <laughs> if it's, like, you check it and then it changes to a minute later. It's broken. Everything's broken. Uh, but it clearly works enough to raise really quickly into To let the audience know that this is dangerous, but not our heroes. Yeah. So that they're out in the world of, like, as we know, the Daleks. Um, and this is where the Doctor will meet the Daleks, which... Tune in next week, guys, because we'll, we'll be doing the first Dalek story. Um, uh, Do you think there'll be a flight of stairs? <laughs> <laughs> Somehow. That is why that episode in 9 scared the daylights out of so many classic fans. Elevate was not a thing in the 60s. So, I, yeah, I don't think they're going to have stairs. They'd have to install them in the studio. It was all shot. All this, all of the, these first episodes were shot on stage. They never oh. ventured out. Um, that's part of why they're walking instead of running. Yeah. They don't have a lot of room. Or running in place as like, little branches hit them in the face. That was yeah. so great. And why the junkyard almost feels like you're inside a house <laughs> that's like a hoarder's place or something. Um, but so like this is now going to be, this, these are now 
these people are now journeying through time and space trying to get home. Now, here's a question, because we know, obviously, that the next episode involves the Daleks. Does the Doctor at this point know what the Daleks are, or is this the first encounter? Like, he's never even heard of them prior to this. I don't think this. so. I mean, I'm Commenters just, uh, don't say anything. <laughs> Seriously, don't say anything. Um, Not about this. Okay. Um, <laughs> she doesn't like spoilers. Astropos commenters are very, very good at not saying spoilery things if we ask them not to say spoilery things. All right. Well, they are. Um, so uh, we're going to wrap up real quick here, guys. But um, I just think of last thoughts on this. I think that it's very similar to, uh, or reminds me of recently, Capaldi. He was like, then I, in, in Into the Dalek, which we just saw last week. Then I went to Scar... I didn't know who I was. I was the doctor, but I didn't know who I was. Then I went to Scarrow, and I knew that I was not the Daleks. He's defined himself today by not being the Daleks. Hmm. And so next week, tune in. What next? Same time, next Wednesday at 7, or whenever you're choosing to listen to <laughs> um, to Doctor Who Classics, we're going to be doing... The second storyline, the next four episodes of Doctor Who, which you can also see on Hulu Plus, um, the Do- uh, the death of the Daleks, I believe it is, or the Dalek of death. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm, you're gonna you're gonna yell at me. I know you guys are all gonna yell at me. Same um, Doctor Time, same Doctor Channel, <laughs> because there are no bats. Yet. <laughs> um, so guys. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to the first uh, ep- the first episode here of Classic Who. Um, so guys. Uh, Megan, where can the people find you if they want to keep up with you? You can find me on Twitter at the Menguin. That's T A G M E N G U I N. I am also on the Attack on Titan, Sword Art Online, and Ruby panels here at AfterBuzz. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Tari J. That's T A U R I J A Y. Uh, you can also catch me on the Extant panel and the Sword Art Online panel uh, on Sundays. <laughs> I'm Katie Cullen. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Kiaxe. That's K I A X E T. I'm also on the Attack on Titan, Sword Art Online, and upcoming Z Nation panels on Sundays and the Ruby panel every other Thursday. Oh, yeah. And you guys catch me on Twitter and Instagram at that Zach Wilson, T-H-A-T-Z-A-C-H-W-I-L-S-O-N. Um, and also here at After Buzz, um, you can catch me occasionally on, as well as uh, some of the other people here, on regular Doctor Who, on uh, The Leftovers, which we'll be wrapping up, The Strain, a bunch of new shows coming up this fall, including Z Nation, Grace Point, if you're a David Tennant fan. Uh, <laughs> and, and of course, here next week for uh, the classic Doctor Who episode, The Daleks, The Dead Planet, which is why ah. I'm here. Uh, um, a little so early yeah. for them all to be um, dead. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I'm Zach Wilson, and thanks for geeking out with us. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.